Chapter Eleven of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Eleven. O'Brien takes me under his protection. The ship's company are paid. So are the bumboat women, the Jews, and the emancipationist after a fashion. We go to sea dr o'brien's cure for seasickness one pill of the doctor's more than a dose when we arrived i reported myself to the first lieutenant and told him the whole story of the manner in which i had been treated showing him the poker which i brought on board with me he heard me very patiently and then said mr simple you may be the greatest fool of your family for all i know to the contrary but never pretend to be a fool with me that poker proves the contrary and if your wit can serve you upon your own emergency i expect that it will be employed for the benefit of the service he then sent for o'brien and gave him a lecture for allowing me to go with the press-gang pointing out what was very true that i could have been of no service and might have met with a serious accident at last the frigate was full manned and as we had received drafts of men from other ships we were ordered to be paid previously to our going to sea the people on shore always find out when a ship is to be paid and very early in the morning we were surrounded with wherries laden with jews and other people some requesting admittance to sell their goods others to get paid for what they had allowed the sailors to take up upon credit but the first lieutenant would not allow any of them to come on board until after the ship was paid although they were so urgent that he was forced to place sentries in the chains with cold shot and to stave the boats if they came alongside about eleven o'clock the dockyard boat with all the pay clerks and the cashier with his chest of money came on board and was shown into the fore-cabin where the captain attended the pay-table the men were called in one by one and as the amount and wages due had been previously calculated they were paid very fast the money was always received in their hats after it had been counted out in the presence of the officers and captain outside the cabin door there stood a tall man in black with hair straight combed who had obtained an order from the port admiral to be permitted to come on board he attacked every sailor as he came out with his money in his hat for a subscription to emancipate the slaves in the west indies but the sailors would not give him anything swearing that the niggers were better off than they were for they did not work harder by day and had no watch and watch to keep during the night servitude is servitude all over the world my old psalm singer replied one they sarve their masters as in duty bound we sarve the king cause he can't do without us and he never axes our leave but helps himself then the purser's steward came out he was what they call a bit of a lawyer that is had received more education than the seamen in general i trust sir said the man in black that you will contribute something not i my hearty i owe every farthing of my money and more too i'm afraid still sir a small trifle why what an infernal rascal you must be to ask a man to give away what is not his own property did i not tell you that i owed it all there's an old proverb be just before you're generous now it's my opinion that you are a methodistical good-for-nothing blackguard and if any one is such a fool as to give you money you will keep it for yourself when the man found that he could obtain nothing at the door he went down on the lower deck and commenced distributing prints of a black man kneeling in chains and saying am i not your brother some of the men laughed and swore that they would paste their brother up in the mess to say prayers for the ship's company 
but others were very angry and abused him. At last one man, who was tipsy, came up to him. "'Do you pretend, for to insinuate, that this crying black thief is my brother?' "'To be sure I do,' replied the Methodist. "'Then take that for your infernal lie,' said the sailor, hitting him in the face, right and left, knocking the man down into the cable-tier, from whence he climbed up and made his escape out of the frigate as soon as he was able.' The ship was now in a state of confusion and uproar. There were Jews trying to sell clothes or to obtain money for clothes which they had sold, bumboat men and bumboat women showing their long bills and demanding or coaxing for payment, other people from the shore with hundreds of small debts and the sailors' wives sticking close to them and disputing every bill presented as an extortion or a robbery. There were such bawling and threatening, laughing and crying, for the women were all to quit the ship before sunset, at one moment a jew was upset and all his hamper of clothes tossed into the hold at another a sailor was seen hunting everywhere for a jew who had cheated him all squabbling or skylarking and many of them very drunk it appeared to me that the sailors had rather a difficult point to settle they had three claimants upon them the jew for clothes the bumboat men for their mess in the harbour and their wives for their support during their absence and the money which they received was, generally speaking, not more than sufficient to meet one of the demands. As it may be supposed, the women had the best of it. The others were paid a trifle, and promised the remainder when they came back from their cruise. About five o'clock the orders were given for the ship to be cleared. All disputed points were settled by the sergeant of marines, with a party who divided their antagonist from the Jews, and every description of persons not belonging to the ship, whether male or female, was dismissed over the side. The hammocks were piped down, those who were intoxicated were put to bed, and the ship was once more quiet. The next day everything was prepared for sea, and no leave was permitted to the officers. Stock of every kind was brought on board, and the large boats hoisted and secured. On the morning after, at daylight, a signal from the flagship in harbour was made for us to unmoor. Our orders had come down to cruise in the Bay of Biscay. The captain came on board, the anchor weighed, and we ran through the needles with a fine northeast breeze. What occurred for the next six days I cannot tell. I thought that I should die every moment, and lay in my hammock or on the chests for the whole of that time, incapable of eating, drinking, or walking about. O'Brien came to me on the seventh morning, and said that if I did not exert myself I never should get well, and that he was very fond of me and had taken me under his protection and to prove his regard he would do for me what he would not take the trouble to do for any other youngster in the ship which was to give me a good basting which was a sovereign remedy for seasickness he suited the action to the word and drubbed me on the ribs without mercy until i thought the breath was out of my body and then he took out a rope's end and thrashed me until i obeyed his orders to go on deck immediately before he came to me i could never have believed it possible that i could have obeyed him but somehow or another I did contrive to crawl up the ladder to the main deck, where I sat down on the shot-racks and cried bitterly. But by degrees I recovered myself, and certainly felt a great deal better, and that night I slept very soundly. The next morning O'Brien came to me again. It's a nasty slow fever, that seasickness, my Peter, but we must drive it out of you. And then he commenced a repetition of yesterday's remedy until I was almost a jelly whether the fear of being thrashed drove away my seasickness or whatever might be the real cause of it i do not know but this is certain that i felt no more of it after the second beating and the next morning when i awoke i was very hungry i hastened to dress myself before o'brien came to me 
and did not see him until we met at breakfast. Pater, said he, let me feel your pulse. Oh, no, replied I. Indeed, I'm quite well. Quite well. Can you eat biscuit and salt butter? Yes, I can. And a piece of fat pork? Yes, that I can. It's thanks to me, then, Pater, replied he. Shall you have no more of my medicine until you fall sick again? I hope not, replied I, for it was not very pleasant. Pleasant, you simple Simon. When did you ever hear of physic being pleasant? unless a man prescribed for himself. I suppose you'd be after lollipops for the yellow fever. Live and larn, boy, and thank heaven that you've found somebody who loves you well enough to baste you when it's good for your health. I held my tongue and ate a very hearty breakfast. From that day I returned to my duty, and was put into the same watch with O'Brien, who spoke to the first lieutenant and told him that he had taken me under his charge. End of chapter 11